Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We are back with a Beyond the News episode this week. Every seventh episode, you know, it's like guest, guest, lecture, lecture, however that shows up, every seventh episode, we comb Earth's news feed to find the creme de la creme of the strange, the unusual, the weird, the funny, the sometimes scary, all of those things. We comb the blessed internets and find these articles, these news sources, and they're from around the world, mainstream sources mostly, some kind of fringe sources, but definitely verifiable for the most part, and absolutely amazing. So I welcome you to Beyond the News. This is where we're at this week, and I'm super excited. And as usual, as with all of our lecture episodes and our tribute episodes and our Beyond the News episodes, we have a guest co-host, and it is Bryn Anderson of Vinyl Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for joining us for yet another round of Beyond the News. Thank you. I like your news best, Jake. Yes, I have the best news. This <laughs> isn't always great news that's coming from these sources. But <laughs> no, not like always, to, uh... <laughs> but you know, it's, it's the most enlightening in a, in a general sense. Yes, it's fun yeah. and funny and also strange and weird. We just need to know about these things. These are things that are mostly mainstream in a sense that they're being reported by mainstream reporters, but they get tucked to the side. You don't necessarily hear about it. And then it goes away. So I try to cast a wide net to grab those things before they whew, disappear. So, wow. Thank you for being here, Brent. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So before we get to the articles, before we get to that news, I need you to do something for me. Go to bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And there you will find Blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil on the planet, period. And why is that? It is because the extraction method, how the CBD is extracted from the hemp flower, is a proprietary method. Only one company has it. It was developed by a man named Howard Hitt, a.k.a. Big H, and it contains no chemicals, no solvents, and no gases. And guess what he named it? The Hitt Extraction Method. Just so you knew, it was coming from his family. And it is a family-owned business. And the product is organic. The hemp that they use is 100% organic, Oregon-grown hemp. There really is nothing else like it. There can't be because of that hit extraction method. There are three styles. 
maximum strength king cobra regular strength little king cobra and wild thing cbd for pets our beloved pets that we love so much i love my cats he's looking right at me right now i love that guy i want him to have blue cobra cbd if he ever has any problems so we also have a discount code that gets you free shipping on any order in the continental 48 united states that code is big H B I G in the letter H. And that gets you free shipping on any order. Like I said, in the continental 48 and there's a money back guarantee. So for some reason, if you don't like the product, let Howard know and you get to keep the product. You get your money back. If you had to pay shipping, you get that money back too. It's a win-win situation for you to try the highest quality CBD product on the planet. I'm telling you people, I've seen it all. There's nothing like this. So go to the website, get a bottle, let me know, bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And when you're done with that, Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts, click that button that connects us. So you know exactly what's going on all the time in real time, instantly on your device or wherever you get this podcast. And most importantly, Tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts that would be interested in going beyond the news <laughs> to find this wacky, wild information with us. So you know them well, your friends, your family, your coworkers, bring them here, midnightonearth.com. Okay, so social media shout out out of the way. We talked about Blue Cobra. And now we are going to get to the stories. Bryn, how are you feeling right now? We're going to dive into this again. These curated stories that I've compiled and aggregated. How do you feel? Are I, you ready? I feel great. I'm ready to dive. Brought my scuba gear. Yes. yes. That's so exciting. Cool. I'm all ready. All right. Well, I guess let's just go ahead and dive in. And here we go. Splash. We dove in. Here's our first article. This is big news. I'm very excited about this. This is from KDVR.com, and here is the headline. DMT, magic mushrooms, decriminalization vote passed by Coloradans. Woo! Woo! Uh, You know, we've had this in Oregon for a while, but Oregon is notorious for dragging their feet in various directions when implementing something new like this. I have a feeling Colorado is going to be significantly more streamlined and they're going to be first to the punch, as you could say, to the psychedelic punch. Okay, so here's the article. A little more um, efficient, perhaps, in their manner of getting it all set up. Yes. So, okay. So here's the article. Colorado voters have passed a ballot initiative to decriminalize psychedelic mushrooms for people 21 and older and to create state-regulated healing centers where participants can experience the drug under supervision. 
supervision. <laughs> Colorado becomes the second state after Oregon to vote to establish a regulated system for substances like psilocybin and psilocin, the hallucinogens found in some mushrooms. The initiative, which would take effect in 2024, also will allow an advisory board to add other plant-based psychedelic drugs to the program in 2026. Supporters argued that the state's current approach to mental health has failed and that naturally occurring psychedelics, which have been used for hundreds of years, can treat depression, PTSD, anxiety, addiction, and other conditions. They also said jailing people for nonviolent offense of using naturally occurring substances costs taxpayers money. Natural Medicine Colorado, the group that promoted the measure, called its passage a truly historic moment. Yes. And they say Colorado voters saw the benefit of regulated access to natural medicines, including psilocybin. So people with PTSD, terminal illness, depression, anxiety, and other mental health issues can heal, the group said in a prepared statement. Yeah, all right. Well, here, look, this is one thing I noticed is that in Oregon, you know, it wasn't necessarily focused on psychedelics per se. They decriminalized everything, unfortunately, in some ways. I mean, it's all in how you look at it. However, there is an uptick in very hard drugs in the Portland metro area because of it. But in Colorado, they're really focusing on the psychedelics, really amplifying the DMT and the psilocybin message. It's just mind-blowing. And speaking of getting your mind blown by psychedelics, here's our next article, newscientist.com. Psychedelic drugs may reopen critical learning periods in the brain. Here's the article. This is interesting. I've often felt this way. Yes, you can learn more with this advanced booster substance. It helps. Okay, here's the article. Psychedelic drugs reopen critical windows of brain development and learning in adult mice. During these periods, the brain is highly plastic and capable of learning specific skills such as language. Once this window closes, it is nearly impossible to acquire certain abilities. For instance, children who aren't exposed to language in their first year of life may never fully grasp sentence structure. Previous research has shown that MDA and MDMA reopens a critical period of social learning in adult humans. Wow. So this is huge. So, okay, so now they're saying that we can relearn some of these things that they say are past certain brain development cycles. Now they're saying with these substances, they can go back and we can retrain our brain correctly and heal those wounds. It all seems very healing to me. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, absolutely. And also it's taking a further approach rather than just for specifically therapy of working through the issues of PTSD or whatnot. You're actually going further with the functional step of like, okay, let's go back and retrain the brain on how to perform this task or how to be able to, um, you know, have the ability to perform this function. So yes. that's actually really interesting. It's just going to keep, I think, widening and widening 
um, the scope of, you know, what these amazing plants and natural substances can help us figure out in this three-dimensional space. Yes. And the thing is, is that they're saying also is that you can just go back and learn some of these developmental things that maybe you didn't learn because of your environment or a person's uh, upbringing. Who knows? There's various factors, but they're saying now, if you missed a step because of some negligence or deficiency, you can now go back and fix that. Again, all very healing. Right. Well, in occupational therapy, there's uh, when there are issues of children learning to be able to read or be able to see the words in the correct order, sometimes they'll find that they missed the crawling stage. And so they'll actually have them go back and crawl as a seven-year-old or a nine-year-old. And it retrains the brain to be able to open up those pathways. So it just makes me think it's just a different approach. Interesting. Of, yeah. Crawling, it's, you know, perhaps some sort well, of psychedelic therapy for whatever the need is. Now we can just give the kids psychedelics and we'll just skip all that. No, I'm just kidding. Just like, kidding. Okay, Timmy, okay. it's time for your 10 o'clock instead <laughs> of the crawling exercises. Okay, here we go. This is our next article. It's from marijuanamoment.net. And here is the headline. Bipartisan lawmakers form new psychedelics caucus in Congress. So psychedelics are now going into the halls of governments. I mean, they kind of already were there, but now they're, they're having a representative or two. Here's the article. A pair of bipartisan lawmakers announced on Thursday that they formed a first-of-its-kind congressional caucus dedicated to psychedelics therapy. Representatives Lou Carrera, a Democrat from California, and Jack Bergman, a Republican from Michigan, will co-chair the Congressional Psychedelics Advancing Clinical Treatments Caucus, abbreviated PACT, the PACT Caucus, which will focus on exploring psychedelic research to alleviate the U.S. mental health crisis. This comes amid a wave of local reform efforts and just one week after Colorado voters approved a historic ballot initiative to legalize the possession of certain entheogenic substances and create psilocybin healing centers in the state. The new legislative group, which now joins an existing cannabis caucus, won't be advocating for broad decriminalization or legalization, at least for the time being. Rather, it's meant to steer the congressional conversation around the therapeutic potential of psychedelics and serve as an educational resource for lawmakers and the public. Okay, so they want to be the interface point for these government agencies that want to learn about psychedelics, that want to integrate these understandings. They want to be the interface point. So this Republican, this Democrat, they took psychedelics together. They figured it out. They stopped hating each other. They figured out each other's differences and they teamed up to be the interface point for psychedelics in American government. Wow. Pretty interesting, eh, Brent? Uh, Yeah. And here it will come for all 50 states. They'll be checking in with the caucus. Hey, how do we do this? <laughs> and they're going to be painted tie-dyed the walls and <laughs> it's going to be an incredible office. There's, you know, Jerry, picture of Jerry, of course, is going to be there. And I have a feeling a picture of Jerry is going to be here. This is from westward.com. Here's the headline. Psychedelics convention coming to Denver 
2023. Here's the article. As Colorado's third eye continues to open with the passage of Proposition 122, next year, residents will be treated to PsyCon, a convention about all things psychedelics. While the psychedelics convention had already been scheduled prior to this month's passage of Prop 122, which made Colorado the second state to decriminalize natural psychedelics and set a timeline for legal access to psilocybin mushrooms and potentially other psychedelics, the passage of the measure further stoked excitement in the space. Here's a quote. We are thrilled to be part of Colorado's psychedelic industry on the ground floor. It's a truly momentous occasion, says PsyCon co-founder Chad Sloan, who also has organized the nationally touring Lucky Leaf Hemp Expo. We plan to provide people with actionable insights, opportunities for connection, and of course, a chance to commemorate this incredible breakthrough for plant medicine. The conference intended for both entrepreneurs and consumers will take place at the Colorado Convention Center in downtown Denver on September 29th and 30th, 2023. PsyCon organizers say the event will include top names in psychedelic science, presenting recent research into the medical benefits and commercial potential of psychedelics. And perhaps they need an official podcast. We'll see, people. You never know. You I might see me there. I was just going to say that. Maybe uh, there needs to be midnight on earth there. On the ground, figuring out what Boots Psycon, on the ground. Boots Psycon. on the ground to see what Psycon's all about. Okay. Well, I'll get back to them on that. And I'll let you know, Brad. Maybe you can come with me. Okay. So next article, dailymail.co.uk. Here's the headline. And... I don't necessarily agree with the statements this article is talking about, but I want to just kind of touch on what they're saying because it's a new kind of perception of ayahuasca in the mainstream focus. First, it was very casual acceptance. Then all of these celebrities and other people were trying it. And now there's kind of a little bit of pushback. It looks like so here's the headline. Ayahuasca causes mental health problems that last months and majority of users landmark study finds. And here's the article. Concerns are being raised about the long-term side effects of a psychedelic drink enjoyed by Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers after the game. In the first major global study of its kind, researchers surveyed more than 10,000 people from more than 50 countries about how their experiences with ayahuasca were an ancient South American brew. They found more than half said they had negative mental health effects while on ayahuasca, such as hearing or seeing things that others couldn't. One in five said they suffered disturbing thoughts or nightmares, hallucinations, or felt disconnected. More than five in 10 people said the mental health issues stuck with them for weeks or months. However, Nearly 9 in 10 considered them completely or somewhat part of a positive growth process. So it's helping people. That's what I'm seeing. They're just having some of the standard effects of the experience. I was going to say, so it sounds like they're having experience there. They're 
seeing some things and feeling some things and well the study also found that 70% of users experienced at least one adverse physical effect during or shortly after consuming the drink the most common being vomiting or nausea headache and abdominal pain all of which are common as part of the purge process of course it sounds very standard <laughs> Don't they tell you that's probably going to happen? However, it is kind of interesting that uh, it's going so everywhere and not everybody can handle that powerful end of experience at first. I mean, some people can't even take a couple tokes off weed because they get too anxious. I mean, this is something we have to think about. And then blaming ayahuasca for some American football players' issues. Like he took ayahuasca, now he's playing shitty and now they're complaining. Oh, that ayahuasca stuff done messed up the quarterback. Man, he ain't throwing no more since he since that ayahuasca stuff, man. We're, we're freaking losing games everywhere. What the hell? Hey, I'm not doing ayahuasca. I'm going to throw damn football correctly. Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. Okay, so that's just America for you. You know? Okay, let's move on to the next article. Okay, this is an interesting one. This is from theguardian.com. Headline, toad licking, just say no. National Park Service tells Americans seeking a high. And here's the article. The U.S. National Park Service is warning people to stop licking one of the largest toads in America due to a toxin it secretes from its glands that can create a hallucinogenic experience. Oh, no. The Sonoran Desert Toad, which emits a quick, weak, low-pitched toot, can make someone sick if they touch or lick it, NPS said in a Facebook post on Tuesday. Toad licking, however, has become a way to get high and has long been considered life-threatening. Not every toad can induce a high, and for those that can, the high they deliver varies from toad to toad. <laughs> I got some toad, bro. Um, users often get high from either licking the back of a toad directly or by storing toxin secreted by the toad to use later. See, this is what they're talking about, the 5-M-E-O-D-M-T. This is the stuff from the frogs. They have the glands. You turn the frog upside down. You milk the glands onto a piece of glass. This liquid squirts out. You dry it, and that's pure 5-M-E-O-D-M-T. This whole licking the frog thing, I think this is like misinformation or some kind of like fake news, really, And because yeah. I've never heard of that. However, I do know that the Sonoran Desert Toad does have those DMT glands. But they just told everybody to go out and... Lick a toad? Lick a toad, even though they're telling them not to. They're basically like, hey, don't do that. So it seems like most people wouldn't know about that until you just told them. Right, Exactly. Besides, why do you need to go lick a toad when you can go to your new local dispensary? Yes, yes, especially in Colorado. Or you could be a fish addicted to meth. Oh, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather not kind of a be. Weird, kind of a weird segue, but here we go. Okay. This is boingboing.net. Headline, new study, fish can get addicted to meth after eating human poop. Oh, they Yum. shouldn't do that. Uh, no one should do any of it. The humans, the <laughs> fish. According to a new study from the Journal of Experimental Biology, fish in the Czech and Slavic republics 
have been getting addicted to methamphetamines thanks to heavy doses of the drug being discharged into wastewater that gets flushed back out to their habitats. And once addicted, when they're just finding this methamphetamine-infused shit, then the addicted fish are drawn to wastewater plants in order to get their meth fix, <laughs> which really could sad. potentially mess <laughs> so up the sad. whole aquatic ecosystem. Uh, yeah, potentially, among other things. <laughs> so oh my! Go. So they know where the sources are. Like, dude, this is there some good is. shit. And then this are they also like, oh yeah, and there's some pharmaceuticals of all other kinds, and yeah, who yes. knows what else they're eating? They're just getting hooked on meth. They know that it's good shit. And they, and know, they know you can get it right over to the left of this current if you go yeah, you this way. Yeah, you swim upstream a little bit. Or <laughs> you have feet and you get some of these shoes. This is from gizmodo.com. Headline, the world's fastest shoes promise to increase your walking speed by 250%. However, people, I'm just going to be honest with you. Looking at the picture, they look like roller skates. Here's the article. Unlike cruising down the sidewalk on roller skates that come with a bit of a learning curve, the moonwalkers are supposedly as easy to use as the moving sidewalks that whisk you down a long airport terminal. You just strap them to your feet and go for a stroll while enjoying a considerable boost in speed. Developed by a team of robotics engineers who spun off their work at Carnegie Mellon University into a new company called Shift Robotics, the moonwalkers might look like roller skates, but they add power and intelligence to the experience so you never feel like you're a wild e a coyote trying to chase down the roadrunner with an Acme rocket strapped to your back. Okay. A strap-on design allows the moonwalkers to be used with almost any pair of shoes. And each unit features a 300-watt electric motor that powers a set of eight polyurethane wheels similar to what you'd find on a pair of inline skates, but much smaller. Ah, look, okay, roller skates. Sorry, moonwalkers. Thank you for rebranding roller skates. Been there, done that, got the skates. Okay, well, these next two articles were stacking them head to head. They might be a little ahead of themselves or engaged in some type of head to head combat. My puns are cheesy and terrible, just like these next two articles. So this is from foxnews.com. Here is the headline dog spotted in Mexico running with human head in its mouth. Good Lord. Did it have spices on it? Is there any salsa with that head? I mean, this is Mexico we're talking about now. Is there carne head sada? Is that? Stop. That was terrible. Okay, why is there a dog carrying a head? Here we go. Here's the article. Residents of Zacatecas, Mexico, witnessed a dog carrying a human head in its mouth as it ran down the streets of the violence-plagued states. Police were eventually able to pull the head out of the canine's mouth, according to local officials. A law enforcement official said the head and other body parts were left in an automatic teller booth in the town of Monte Escobedo on Wednesday. The body parts were left next to a message referring to a drug cartel. 
Before police could secure the scene, the stray dog grabbed the severed head and took off with a woo-hoo trailing it as well. Do you think he chose that piece on purpose or was that just like the first one that he could grab quick enough? But imagine being either the person to look over and see the dog with the head or be the police officer trying to wrestle the head from the dog. Like that's just, that's wild. Well, footage posted to social media shows the dog running down the street at night, carrying the head by the neck. Good Lord, people. Good Lord with the stuff that's going on on earth right now, like this one. So here we go with uh, head part two. This is MSN.com headline. Oh God. Did I say that? <laughs> headline spiritual healer decapitated her church friend after a home renovation row. Here's the something article. about spiritual leader and decapitated, decapitated don't really go together in the same Ooh, sentence. Okay, here we go. A British woman was on Thursday found guilty of murdering her church friend and dumping her remains in a seaside town after the pair had an argument about home renovation money. Oh shit. It's always about the money. Gemma Mitchell 38 was convicted of killing 67 year old me Quen Chong, also known as Deborah Chong in June, 2021. During the trial, the jury heard how the two women had become friends through a church group with Mitchell even acting as a spiritual healer for Chong. Last year, Mitchell was in the process of renovating her house, but was running short of cash. Chong kindly offered to gift around $230,000 to Mitchell in order for the work to be completed. But at some stage, Chong changed her mind and rescinded the offer. So, wow, she didn't cough up the money. So her friend killed her, the spiritual leader, the spiritual healer. Yeah, she's going to burn in hell. Yeah, burn in hell. I don't hell. think that helped her get her house renovated Sorry. either. Jesus, I know. My God. Okay, that was a little strange. Let's pivot over here to space. Let's go out in space for a minute. This is from NPR.org. Headline, a black hole is releasing some strange burps, baffling scientists. Here's the article. Astronomers have published a major finding. A black hole has been burping out energy from a small star it was observed shredding in 2018 after two years in which it didn't eject any such material. How unusual is this? Super unusual. Yvette Sendez, an astronomer at the Center for Astrophysics, Harvard and Smithsonian, and lead author of the paper, tells NPR. We've never really seen this before to this degree. Researchers made the discovery when they used a powerful radio telescope facility, the Very Large Array in New Mexico, you gotta love those creative names, to check in on some two dozen black holes where stars had been shredded after coming too close to them. That is, the material in the star was pulled apart or spaghettified. Such happenings are called tidal disruption events or TDEs. What they found was that one of the TDEs was emitting energy at an unusual velocity and at a very surprising time, more than two years after the event. This behavior is different from what has been observed in black holes before in two ways. First, the timing. It's more common to see 
radio emissions from black holes within the first few months after swallowing a star. And second, the energy being emitted in this case doesn't quite fit with what astronomers have seen before. In most cases of black holes swallowing stars, perhaps 99%, the outflow is lower in energy. And in 1% of the cases, that outflow is way more an extremely jetted event, says Sendez, a very rare occurrence. But in this case, it's in between. Ooh, wow. So, okay, you know, space mysteries. Uh, there's a lot going on out there in the infinite vastness of space. Or it's just total trash. It's all trash, right? Space is trash. NavyTimes.com. Headline. Pentagon attributes UFO sightings to spies, airborne trash. There's no UFOs. No. It's airborne trash. There's nothing. There's no ships. There's no lights. No, this is just there's old no pieces of crafts. satellites. There's no darting lights at uh, physically impossible speeds and maneuverability. None of that's, that's real. Trash. It's all trash. Look, trash. Pizza you don't boxes. Know, you know. don't know the power of space pizza boxes. They can do shit that our pizza boxes just can't do. Here's the article. Intelligence officials are set to deliver Congress a new report today on unexplained aerial phenomenon, better known as UFOs. The document from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence will provide an update to a report the intelligence agency made public in June of 2021, which explored more than 140 incidents of UAP encounters between 2004 and 2021. We definitely covered that uh, last year. Despite calls for greater transparency from lawmakers and military leaders, it's not yet clear what contents of the coming report will be made public. While it could offer more detailed explanations into the surge of recent sightings, Defense Department officials are downplaying theories of alien invasions and emphasizing ordinary objects, saying they are more likely to blame. Of course, they've been saying that for 50, 60 years. Come on, people. Like uh, we, we're just here, and then this is as good as. And then somebody hears that, and they stop being scared of aliens. <laughs> Maybe it's just those just people trash. that need that. They just need that. They need the the system, their parental unit, just like the sky being coming through and saying, "No, those aren't aliens. It's, it's space okay. trash. It's just trash." Yeah. Okay. So, hope you feel better. Here's somebody that doesn't think it's trash. This is from NewYorkPost.com. Headline, Harvard professor Avi Loeb to scour ocean floor north of Australia for crashed alien technology. Ooh, here's the article. A Harvard professor believes an alien spacecraft may have crashed into Australia's north a decade ago, and he's planning an expedition to retrieve the object from the floor of the Pacific Ocean. Astrophysicist Avi Loeb has previously made waves by claiming the object that streaked across the sky off the coast of Manus Island, Papua New Guinea in 2014 was actually some form of spacecraft. A U.S. Space Command report released earlier this year found that the object was interstellar from another star system, making it unusual but concluded that it was simply a meteor. But Professor Loeb chair of 
Harvard University's astronomy department and head of the Galileo Project, which is searching for evidence of advanced alien technology, insists it could have been built by extraterrestrials. Loeb's fascination with the topic was driven by the discovery of Oumuamua, Hawaiian for messenger sent from the distant past, a football field-sized cigar-shaped object that zipped through the solar system in 2017. Yes, I remember that. We covered that for sure. So he's going to find some more debris. That's going to be pretty interesting. Let's see what he finds. He's a Harvard guy. I mean, he's still part of Harvard right now. They didn't just fire him out like they would have back in the day, like they did to Leary and Ramdas. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably just space trash. Okay, on to the next one. Still out in space, space space.com. Headline, Mars's clouds are strangely Earth-like despite wildly different atmospheres. Here's the article. Despite having radically different atmospheres, Mars and Earth seem to have similar cloud patterns, hinting that the features may form in much the same way. The observations obtained by the European Space Agency's Mars Express spacecraft and NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter were unexpected. Perhaps most surprising to scientists was that the clouds observed over the dry and arid atmosphere of Mars resembled those found in very different environments on Earth. Here's a quote. When thinking of a Mars-like atmosphere on Earth, one might easily think of a dry desert or polar region. Mars Express Project scientist Colin Wilson said in a statement, It is quite unexpected then that through tracking the chaotic movement of dust storms, parallels can be drawn with the processes that occur in Earth's moist, hot, and decidedly very un-Mars-like tropical regions instantly. So it's matching these other regions, but it doesn't have the same conditions. Okay. Nevertheless, clouds on Mars. Yes, clouds on Mars. So that's, wow. I mean, we're going to find a lot of different things as they open it all up. When I was very young, there was no water on Mars, they said. Mars was orange and dead and dry. There was nothing. And that's changed so many different times between then and now. So it's just going to keep changing. But here's our next article. This is from Mashable.com. Here is the headline, Scientists found a weird marshmallow-like planet in the deep cosmos. And it happens to be right next to a graham cracker planet. In fact, it's in between two graham cracker-shaped <laughs> planets, and they're pulling together with the marshmallow in the middle. Does it have a chocolate core? It does. So here we go. Here is the article. Astronomers are finding all sorts of weird worlds. Some likely rain gems from metallic clouds. Others may be completely covered in sprawling oceans. And scientists now have a new addition to the planets beyond our solar system called exoplanets. Meet the fluffy world TOI3757B. You know, I love these names. You know, (laughs) they should have given it a better name if it's a marshmallow planet. They should have just called it marshmallow planet. Astronomers think it has an atmospheric density similar to a marshmallow. Weird? Absolutely. But our planet is deeply strange, too, 
There's no reason to think the universe, a place teeming with hundreds of billions of galaxies that each contain billions of stars and untold number of planets, wouldn't be, well, otherworldly. Atop a mountain in Arizona, astronomers at the Kitt Peak National Observatory used a 11 and a half foot wide telescope called WIYN to investigate the gassy Jupiter-like world some 580 light years away in deep space. It orbits a common though curious type of star called a red dwarf. It sounds like a campfire, but anyways, these stars are much smaller and dimmer than the sun, but they're awfully fickle. They shoot out violent flares that can make nearby planets inhospitable. The marshmallow planet has the lowest density of any planet detected around a red dwarf star. Interesting. So they found a giant marshmallow. Doesn't that seem fitting next ah. to the red dwarf star? It shoots out fireballs at it. Oh, melts just wait. The marshmallow. It's, just wait till perfect. we can fly up to it and just eat it. Just take little bites. Oh, man. Just <laughs> billions of people eating the marshmallow planet. Okay. So. <laughs> still in space we're still in space people there's so much going on we're going back to the moon america's going back to the moon they're sending kind of like a, a pre-flight thing the artemis one so this is from indianexpress.com here's the headline artemis one heads to the moon why this heralds the dawn of a new age of space exploration yes here's the article NASA's giant moon rocket lifted off on its debut flight at 1.47 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday, November 16th, heralding an exciting new phase of deep space exploration a half century after the six Apollo human moon landings between 1969 and 1972. The Orion space capsule that sits atop the 32-story space launch system vehicle will complete a 25-day lunar orbiter mission before splashing down in the Pacific Ocean on December 11th. The liftoff on Wednesday came after two scheduled launches on August 29th and September 3rd were scrubbed following the detection of technical issues during the countdown. The mission, known as Artemis 1, is unmanned but headed to the moon. On board Orion are three dummies that mimic astronauts with the intention of carrying out tests ahead of future manned missions to the moon and beyond. So they're sending this probe-like ship. It's actually a ship. They're going to measure all the different things that happen to the dummies, those dummies. <laughs> and then we're going back to the moon. There's bases. There's different things that are happening. There's uh, a lot of activity that's happening on the moon. As you know, we've covered the Chinese uh, rover that's been exploring the dark side of the moon. Right, I was going to say there's a lot going on on the dark side of the moon we've talked about already. Yes, and then NASA just recently uh, released some 4K footage of the entire moon surface. So, The entire surface or? Yes, the entire surface of the moon. So uh, that's what they're saying anyway. So here's another thing about Mars. This is from phys.org, P-H-Y-S.org. And here's the headline. Scientists unveil further proof of salty water on Mars. See, this is what I was just talking about. And here's the article. It may be known as a rocky red planet, but evidence is mounting that salty water exists at the base of polar deposits on Mars. University of Southern Queensland's Professor Grizalia Caparelli 
is part of an international team investigating bright reflection signals below the Martian surface first spotted in data acquired between 2010 and 2019 by the radar sounder Marxist on board Mars Express. The primarily Italian team proposed that the reflections pointed to a patchwork of salty lakes, publishing their research in Science in 2018 and in Nature Astronomy in 2021. Recently, a new collaboration between the Italian team and U.S.-based researchers provided new evidence further corroborating this interpretation. The results of these studies have been recently published in the journals Nature Communications and the Journal of Geophysical Research Planets. Wow. So, like I was saying, they have more and more evidence. You know, Mars was an Earth-like planet. Humanity probably started there, and we moved over here. And we're going to find all that out. And here is People.com headline, NASA launches independent UFO study with a full report expected by mid-2023. You know we'll be covering it. Here's the article. NASA's independent study into UFOs is officially underway. The nine-month study of unidentified aerial phenomenon began on Monday, according to a press release from the agency. The study focuses solely on unclassified data and will result in a full public report, which NASA expects to release in mid-2023 per Friday's release. The team is composed of 16 individuals, including former NASA astronaut Scott Kelly and chaired by Simons Foundation President David Spurgel, NASA said. Daniel Evans, Assistant Deputy Associate Administrator for Research at NASA's Science Mission Directorate, is leading the study. Here's his quote. Understanding the data we have surrounding unidentified aerial phenomena is critical to helping us draw scientific conclusions about what is happening in our skies. NASA first announced the plan in June, and they're going for it. It's another kind of like Project Blue Book, another kind of like above ground, mainstream, in your face, in the public eye. Right. They want people to know we're looking at it, people. We're looking at it. Right. And who knows uh, what they'll finally admit. And, you know, there's a lot of great astronauts out there. I'm sure a lot of those cosmonauts, the Russian astronauts, are great too. But unfortunately, this wonderful woman was scammed. This is from Vice.com. Headline, woman scammed by Russian astronaut who claimed to need money to return to Earth. Dear God. That's a good story, you know? I am stuck. <laughs> I am stuck in space. I need you to wire me money to get down. <laughs> Dos vidanya. Wow. <laughs> okay, here is the article. A man claiming to be a Russian astronaut in space allegedly scammed a Japanese woman into paying for his return trip to Earth, vowing to marry her once he landed. The man found the 65-year-old unnamed victim on Instagram in June. On his profile, he uploaded random photos of space and said he worked at the International Space Station where astronauts have limited access to cell service. Their relationship quickly escalated. On a Japanese messaging app, he repeatedly said he loved her and proposed marriage. I love you from space. He sent her messages like, 
I want to start my life in Japan. And saying this 100,000 times won't be enough, but I'll keep saying it. I love you. News outlet TV Asahi reported. But to actually tie the knot, he said he needed money to return to Earth. There were landing fees to pay once in Japan and the costs of a rocket to actually fly to the country, he said. Believing this man would be her future fiance, the woman paid him about 4.4 million yen, about $30,000, in five installments from August 19th to September 5th. But when his demands continued, the woman grew suspicious of his intent and reported him to the police who are investigating the case as a romance scam. Local media reported. Wow. That's sad. I Poor need you heart. to love me in five installments <laughs> or I can't come home from space. Okay. I love you. Oh my God. Okay. I'm sorry for my impressions, people. Um, BBC.com. We're going to pivot now out of space. We're coming back to Earth. Here's the headline. It's kind of creepy. Lab grown blood given to people in world first clinical trial. That is creepy. Here is the headline. Blood that has been grown in a laboratory has been put into people in a world-first clinical trial, UK researchers say. Tiny amounts, equivalent to a couple of spoonfuls, are being tested to see how it performs inside a human body. The bulk of blood transfusions will always rely on people regularly rolling up their sleeves to donate. But the ultimate goal is to manufacture vinyl but ultra-rare blood groups that are hard to get a hold of. These are necessary for people who depend on regular blood transfusions for conditions such as sickle cell anemia. If the blood is not a precise match, then the body starts to reject it and the treatment fails. This level of tissue matching goes beyond the well-known a, B, A, B, and O blood groups. Professor Ashley Toy from the University of Bristol said some groups were really, really rare and there might only be 10 people in the country able to donate. Wow, so they're growing blood. So how is this grown? Let's just learn this really quick. The research project combines teams in Bristol Cambridge, London, and at NHS Blood and Transplant. It focuses on the red blood cells that carry oxygen from the lungs to the rest of the body. This is how it works. They start with a normal donation of a pint of blood. Magnetic beads are used to fish out flexible stem cells that are capable of becoming a red blood cell. These stem cells are encouraged to grow in large numbers in the labs, and then they are guided to become red blood cells. Process takes about three weeks, and an initial pool of around half a million stem cells results in 50 billion red blood cells. Wow. These are filtered down to get around 15 billion red blood cells that are at the right stage of development to transplant interesting future tech they're growing blood and they're growing meats oh are they using the blood to grow the meat no this is totally different eventually they might well so far (laughs) they might eventually cross paths there could be intersection points 
Here is the next article, news.yahoo.com. Headline, FDA clears lab-grown meat for human consumption, dear God. And here's the article. For the first time, the Food and Drug Administration has cleared lab-grown meat created from cultured animal cells for human consumption, the agency announced on Wednesday. The FDA green light applies only to chicken products made by Upside Foods, a California-based company founded in 2015. Though in its announcement, the FDA said it is ready to work with other firms that are developing cultured animal cell food. The agency said that it had evaluated information submitted by Upside Foods as part of a pre-market consultation and that it had no further questions at this time about the firm's safety conclusion. So they're feeling like whatever Upside said is on the upside. The company can begin selling its product after inspection and label approval by the Department of Agriculture. Upside makes cell-cultivated meat using biopsies from living animals as well as recently slaughtered animals who were already a part of the food system. It expects these cells to be capable of indefinitely self-renewing with the goal of eventually phasing out all animal components. An Upside spokesperson said in an email statement to Yahoo News that the company is thrilled by the FDA's Historic announcement. Of course they are. (laughs) Oh my God. Cultivated meat has never been closer to the U.S. market than it is today, the spokesperson said. Ew, people. I don't know. Biopsies? That sounds just weird. Like they take a chunk off something and then they grow more. Frankenfood? I don't know. I don't know. Could be good. Maybe it's better. I just don't know. I'm not going to judge it. I'll let you guys tell me. Okay, so let's pivot into just kind of some tech stories with a hint of AI. This is from spectrum.ieee.org. Headline, nanowire synapses 30,000 times faster than nature's. And here's the article. Artificial intelligence systems are increasingly limited by the hardware used to implement them. Now comes a new superconducting photonic circuit that mimics the links between brain cells, burning just 0.3% of the energy of its human counterparts while operating some 30,000 times as fast. Wow, they're getting better than human, more human than human. In artificial neural networks, components called neurons are fed data and cooperate to solve a problem such as recognizing faces. The neural net repeatedly adjusts the synapses, the links between its neurons, and determines whether the resulting patterns of behavior are better at finding a solution. Over time, the network discovers which patterns are best at computing results. It then adopts these patterns as defaults, mimicking the process of learning in the human brain. Although AI systems are increasingly finding real-world applications, they face a number of major challenges given the hardware used to run them. One solution that researchers have investigated to solve this problem is to develop brain-inspired neuromorphic computer hardware. Whoa! Whoa! All right. So they're just going to mimic nature with technology and find that nature's design is beautiful and perfect and Amazing. And then they're going to 
trying to improve on it and make it even better. And then is that nature expressing itself through us? I don't know. I don't know. But this one is interesting. This is from technologyreview.com. And here's the headline. How scientists want to make you young again. They're just going to add some lab-grown meat and blood. That's what I was going to say. They're just going <laughs> to, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know. Nothing. They're not going to take a biopsy and you're just good, right. good to go for another hundred years. Here's the article. A little over 15 years ago, scientists at Kyoto University in Japan made a remarkable discovery. When they added just four proteins to a skin cell and waited about two weeks, some of the cells underwent an unexpected and astounding transformation. They became young again. They turned into stem cells almost identical to the kind found in days-old embryo just beginning life's journey. Interesting. At least in a Petri dish, researchers using the procedure can take withered skin cells from a 101-year-old and rewind them so they act as if they've never aged at all. Now, after more than a decade of studying and tweaking so-called cellular reprogramming, a number of biotech companies and research labs say they have tantalizing hints the process could be the gateway to an unprecedented new technology for age reversal. By applying limited controlled doses of the reprogramming proteins to lab animals, the scientists say, they are seeing evidence that the procedure makes the animals, or at least some of their organs, more youthful. Wow, so they just add this special protein, this strange extra protein. But they don't say what those proteins are. It's kind of a secret. They're like, yeah, these proteins, but we're not going to tell you what they are. Don't worry about what those are. Um, here's something I didn't know existed. I don't even know if I want it to exist, but it's still very strange and interesting. So we're going to cover this. This is from interestingengineering.com. And here is the headline. Transparent wood could help us end our reliance on petroleum-based plastics. Transparent wood. I didn't know this existed. Here's the article. Researchers at the Indian Institute of Technology have found that transparent wood had a significantly lower environmental impact and was five times more efficient than glass, which could contribute to reducing energy costs, a study revealed. According to the United Nations Environment Program, 400 million tons of plastic are generated annually, most of which comes from single-use plastic. While countries are making progress in reducing this waste through paper bags and straws, there are also applications where the properties of plastic are necessary. Transparent wood is an alternative for such applications and is highly preferred since it prevents the harm of petroleum-derived plastic products. German scientist Siegfried Fink first manufactured transparent wood in the year 1992, and over the past three decades, it has been significantly improved by other researchers as well. In its natural form, wood is opaque. However, researchers have found that removing lignin a naturally occurring biopolymer that provides structural support for the plant tissue can make it transparent. To do so, the wood is soaked in a warm solution consisting of multiple chemicals 
such as sodium hydroxide, sodium sulfite, and sodium hypochlorite, followed by boiling it in a hydrogen peroxide solution. Whoa. Well, I don't know if that's better. Like, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Not feeling like that's uh, petroleum free or whatnot. There's, it's, there's something going on in the manufacturing of those chemicals. This removes the lignin completely and turns the wood white. However, the space that was occupied by lignin needs to be filled up to retain the structural integrity. The process referred to as infiltration is done by using a resin such as epoxy or polymethyl methacrylate or PMMA under temperatures of 185 degrees Fahrenheit. The final product can have as much as 90% transparency. Unlike glass, it is also shatterproof. More importantly, it is more biodegradable than glass or plastic. But those chemicals. I'm not sure I'm sold on the eco-ness. Yeah, there's no eco. It's interesting, but it's not eco, I would say. Okay, so let's go to the next one, cnbc.com. This is very interesting. This is kind of like future tech vibes. Here is the headline. How John Deere plans to build a world of fully autonomous farming by 2030. No more farm slaves around the world. It's all going to be AI and robots, which, like it or not, is going to make the human experience better. I promise. Here is the article. Can John Deere become one of the leading AI and robotics companies in the world alongside Tesla and Silicon Valley technology giants over the next decade? That notion may seem incongruous with the general perception of the 185-year-old company as a heavy metal manufacturer of tractors, bulldozers, and lawnmowers painted in the signature green and yellow covers. But that is what the company sees in its future. According to George Harad, vice president of the Automation and Autonomy Division for Moline, Illinois-based Deer, a glimpse of which was showcased at last January's Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, where Deere unveiled its fully autonomous 8R farm tractor, driven by artificial intelligence rather than a farmer behind the wheel. The autonomous 8R is the culmination of Deere's nearly two decades of strategic planning and investment in automation, data analytics, GPS guidance, Internet of Things connectivity, and software engineering. While a good deal of that R&D has been homegrown, the company also has been on a spree of acquisitions and partnerships with ag tech startups harvesting know-how as well as talent. Wow. So they're going full AI. They're going full AI. No more farm slaves. Well, unless people start feeling like the AI are the farm slaves. That's coming. We'll get there. CNN.com. It seems like you're being influenced by this podcast, Brett. I don't know. CNN.com. <laughs> Headline. Tunnel discovered beneath Egyptian temple may lead to Cleopatra's tomb. Archaeologist says they finally, potentially, probably found Cleopatra's tomb, the pharaoh of Egypt. And here's the article. 
Kathleen Martinez, an archaeologist at the University of Santo Domingo, has been searching for the lost tomb of Cleopatra for nearly 20 years. Now she believes she's made a pivotal breakthrough. Martinez and her team uncovered a 1,305-meter tunnel located 13 meters underground. The Egyptian Ministry for Tourism and Antiquities recently announced. An architectural design experts called an engineering miracle. There's a lot of those in Egypt. The excavation revealed a huge religious center with three sanctuaries, a sacred lake, more than 1,500 objects, busts, statues, golden pieces, a huge collection of coins portraying Alexander the Great, Queen Cleopatra, and the Ptolemies, Martinez told CNN. Wow. They found a sacred lake. Uh, Yeah, I want to know about that. That's interesting. The most interesting discovery is the complex of tunnels leading to the Mediterranean Sea and sunken structures, she added. Exploring these underwater structures will be the next stage of her search for the Egyptian queen's lost tomb, a journey that began in 2005. The excavations so far have revealed that the temple was dedicated to Isis, which Martinez believes is another sign that the lost tomb lies nearby, as well as the tunnels below the sea. Now Martinez says she is at the beginning of a new journey underwater excavations. According to a statement issued by the Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities, the Egyptian coastline has been battered by earthquakes over the centuries, causing parts of the Toposiris Magna to collapse and sink under the waves. This is where Martinez and her team are looking next, although it's, quote, too early to know where these tunnels lead, she is hopeful. Wow. That's incredible. So there's underwater portions of Egypt at this point. It's really mind-blowing. So this is also a little mind-blowing, this next one. We're traveling through time. King of rock and roll, Elvis. He may have attracted the attention of time travelers. This is from thesun.com. And the headline is, Suspicious Minds, Time Travel Proof as Elvis Presley Fan Holding a Mobile Phone is Spotted in the Crowd at His Last Concert. Wow, maybe. There's a lot of that stuff flowing around. This is a new one. Here's the article. Conspiracy theorists are convinced time travel is real. After spotting an Elvis Presley Fan holding what appears to be a mobile phone at his last concert. Footage from the 1977 gig shows fans going wild for the king of rock and roll as he appears on stage in his iconic white jumpsuit. A group of women can be seen excitedly reaching out to Elvis as he chunks his towel into the crowd. In the middle of the chaos and commotion, a mystery hand can be seen holding up a rectangular metal object that looks suspiciously like a mobile phone. And conspiracy theorists have claimed it is a modern smartphone and therefore proof a quantum leaper had infiltrated the gig more than 50 years ago. Many pointed out the similarities between the camera on the top left of the object and the snapper on a 21st century iPhone. Bryn, look at this picture. What do you think? 
Okay, let me check it out. Smartphone? Actually, yeah. Really? I see the camera. I It kind of looks like she's holding it in a way that looks nonchalant, like she's just kind of holding it up. <laughs> Smartphone. Just like my phone's recording, you know. From the future. But do you see anyone looking at her like, what no. is that thing? No, not at all. No, nobody's like paying attention. So well, maybe, they're looking at Elvis, I guess. So. so maybe they didn't notice. I don't know. It's like so out of their consciousness. Or like, it's like it was just something. Nobody was tantalized by it. It was right. just not part of the human experience at that point. All That's very strange. Interesting. Go check it out. Look at the photo. Tell me what you think. Let me know. Send me an email. Okay. So just a handful left. This one is from the newyorkpost.com. This is kind of interesting. Headline, federal agents conduct mysterious raid on Area 51 website creators' homes. You must have had something good. Here's the article. Agents from the U.S. Air Force and the FBI raided two Nevada homes owned by a man who operates a website about Area 51, which runs articles positing theories about what goes on at the top secret base, officials said. The Air Force Office of Special Investigations and the FBI entered properties linked to webmaster George Arnew in Las Vegas and Rachel on November 3rd and confiscated potential evidence, spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Brian McGarry confirmed in a statement. While McGarry did not elaborate on the investigation, Arnu runs Dreamland Resort, a popular website dedicated to the top secret Air Force base located about 120 miles northwest of Las Vegas in the Nevada desert. The base is often the source of speculation by government fanatics and conspiracy theorists. Arnu's 23-year-old site features photographs and drone videos of Area 51 and reports on the comings and goings at the base from people who travel to the edge and take a look. He even writes about reports of UFOs and aliens at the site, reports that he dismisses as false and nothing but a, quote, Distraction from the real purpose of the base, research and development of all sorts of black projects. Well, he must have saw something. He must have had something because they raided his house and took everything. And here's his final quote. As it is right now, I have no clear understanding of what I'm being charged with or why my property was seized. Cell phones, memory sticks, backup drives, my camera equipment that is worth almost $10,000, my drone, Everything was taken. Wow. Yeah, that's your first clue. He saw he, something. Or maybe he didn't even know that he, he didn't saw even know. something. He had something it's in a photograph. Yeah. Like they knew and they could see it. It wasn't in his consciousness like we were just saying. And so he didn't know what it was. And he's like, I don't have anything. But he had something. Interesting. Okay. We're getting there. Gizmodo.com. Headline. Physicists got a quantum computer to work by blasting it with the Fibonacci sequence. This is interesting. This is so interesting. The whole quantum computing realm just blows my you mind. You can blast stuff with math and it does stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the article. A team of physicists say they managed to create a new phase of matter by shooting laser pulses, reading out the Fibonacci sequence to a quantum computer in Colorado. The matter phase relies on a quirk of the Fibonacci sequence to remain in a quantum state for longer. 
Just as ordinary matter can be in a solid, liquid, gas, or superheated plasmic state, quantum materials also have phases. The phase refers to how the matter is structured on an atomic level, the arrangement of its atoms or its electrons, for example. Several years ago, physicists discovered a quantum supersolid, and last year, a team confirmed the existence of quantum spin liquids, a long-suspected phase of quantum matter in a simulator. The recent team thinks they discovered a new phase. The mind of humans, it's so mind-blowing. But just to remind you about quantum computers, here's listen to this. Quantum bits or quibits are like ordinary computer bits in that their values can be zero or one, but they can also be zero or one simultaneously, a state of ambiguity that allows the computers to consider many possible solutions to a problem much faster than an ordinary computer. Quantum computers should be eventually able to solve problems that classical computers can't. Wow. And then they're shooting it with the Fibonacci sequence to create a new phase of matter. Who knew you can do that? They figured it out. So Quantum spin liquids. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations to them. And let's take another dip into AI. This is from thesun.com. Headline, dystopian future. Spooky artificial intelligence can accurately predict the future and it's about to be asked more questions. Great. AI that knows everything. It's outside of time. It's a super conscious. Here's the article. Artificial intelligence was asked to predict the future and was right over 99% of the time, according to new research. Fortunately, the AI didn't predict a deadly apocalypse or robot takeover. Instead, researchers at the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Light in Germany asked the artificially intelligent software to predict how AI progressed. They did this by feeding the AI information from academic papers dating all the way back to 1994. A total of 143,000 papers were used in the experiment. The AI was then asked to make predictions about how artificial intelligence has developed over the years based on the scientific studies it knew about. The software was almost 100% right with its predictions, leading scientists to want to ask it more questions about the actual future. Mario Kren led the research along with colleagues from all over the world. Their paper says the AI research indicates a great potential that can be unleashed. Instead of asking AI to predict the end of the world, the researchers hope to ask it questions about science that could aid future studies. So it just instantly spits out the answer. Wait till the AI becomes quantum. A quantum computer AI is a super dimensional being with access to infinite intelligence. It's going to blow our minds. Let's just be friends with the AI. Let's not hate on it. Let's just be friends and let's start there. And I think we'll be okay. Start with love and everything else works itself out. I was thinking about the AI Zoltar. You know, the, the little guy in the machine, he's like, hi, I'm Zoltar. I'm going to tell you your future. Yeah, they should just name it Zoltar. Yeah, they stick an AI in there and then he'll tell you your future when you walk into the thrift store. 
Bryn, I want you to contact Zoltar. This is your business. Just start this. <laughs> Vital Force Herbs and Zoltar AI. Nobody's got that one yet. ZoltarAI.com. Okay, just a few more articles. Just a few more articles. And we always kind of wrap it up with funny ones. Okay, so this is from msn.com. This is really interesting. Here is the headline. Our patients aren't dead. Inside the cryogenic freezing facility with 199 humans on ice. I've got 199 humans on ice in Jake 81. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to make a really bad Jay-Z joke. Didn't really work. Okay, let's move on. Here is the article. Inside tanks filled with liquid nitrogen are the bodies and heads of 199 humans who opted to be cryopreserved with the hopes of being revived in the future. Many of the patients, as Alcor Life Extension Foundation calls them, are people who were terminally ill with cancer, ALS, or other diseases with no cure in the present day. One of the patients is Mathrin. Now, Virat Pong, the youngest person to be cryogenically frozen. Alcor's former CEO, Max Moore, pointed to a picture of the girl as reporters were given a tour of the facility. Quote, a little girl from Thailand who had brain cancer. Both her parents were doctors and she had multiple brain surgeries and nothing worked, unfortunately. So they contacted us, Moore explained. The child's case is one of only a few at Alcor that is public. Another with a terminal disease is Hal Finney, who passed away from ALS. Finney is a well-known cryptocurrency personality, known for being the recipients of the first Bitcoin transaction. When it comes to famous figures, Paris Hilton has reportedly signed up for cryopreservation. And rumors about Walt Disney being frozen have circulated for decades, but that was debunked by his own family. Legendary baseball player Ted Williams, who died in 2002, is currently one of Alcor's frozen patients. Oh my God. So they're just hoping they already died. The soul left the body. That's why I don't understand. Are they going to get ripped from their next life? Is it going to cause wherever they went in their next life to die. Like the person's going to die. So the soul can be freed as they unfreeze these bodies with this advanced technology. How is that going to work? I want to know the metaphysics and the, the spiritual kind of mechanics of that. Yeah. That's definitely the most fascinating part. And something that was kind of skimmed over in the title is bodies and heads. Correct. So yeah. are there just these heads they're hoping to revive somehow like Correct. on a robot body or some kind of thing? Or a 3D printed clone body. Oh yeah, maybe that. So, all right. Well, two more and we usually close our uh, Beyond the News episodes with kind of funny ones. So here's the first one. This one is from dailystar.co.uk. Headline, Singer to Mary Ghosts on Halloween after years of sex with green eyed ghoul. And this already happened because, you know, we cover these news stories. This is past Halloween at this point. So hopefully they had a great honeymoon and all of that. Singer Brocardi is set to marry her ghost lover, a Victorian soldier named Eduardo after years of having sex with the green eyed ghoul 
she became an item with the ghost during the coronavirus pandemic. And here's the article. A singer is set to marry her ghost lover on Halloween after the pair found a way to get over his jealous streak. Brocarde will tie the knot with her long-term ghost boyfriend, the spirit of a Victorian soldier called Eduardo, on Monday, October 31st. The 39-year-old brunette beauty will officially wed in what is the most romantic night of the year for the pair inside an asylum chapel. She said, I couldn't think of a more appropriate day to get married than Halloween. It's like Valentine's Day for spirits, so for Eduardo, it's the most romantic night of the year. Oh, that's so sweet. And here's more. Halloween is a magical time for us as it's the anniversary of when I declared my adoration for Eduardo. It's the night I filled the room with candles and roses and sung my song, Haunted, to him. It was the evening that inspired him to propose as shortly after I awoke to find my engagement ring on my pillow. Whoa! But their love has not been without hiccup, with Eduardo the ghost allegedly prone to bounce of fury over Brocarde's outfit choices. <laughs> well, he's from the Victorian era, so you yes. know, women were much more heavily clothed in those times. Yes, and here's what she said about that. He died in the Victorian age when women behaved differently. All of my revealing clothes have gone missing. It is basically anything that shows a bit too much flesh. Okay, so he's a little <laughs> possessive ghost. He's a little old school, very old school. But congratulations to Brocarde and Eduardo on their <laughs> wedding. I want to know where they went on their honeymoon. Oh, man. All kinds of places. Alcatraz? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Woo. Okay, one more. We're doing it. We're doing it. This is amazing. Here's some really good advice. One more. This is from MSN.com. Headline. 101-year-old woman shares the secret to a happy life. Tequila. And here's the article. What's the secret to living a happy life? According to a woman who just turned 101 years old, it's tequila. I thought you were going to say lab-grown blood. Well, yeah. You know, it's interesting. They use that same number, the 101 years old. Mary Flip from Illinois marked her milestone birthday on November 2nd. Born in 1921, she lived through the Great Depression, multiple wars, and the COVID-19 pandemic. She also lost most of her family when she was young, becoming the sole survivor by the tender age of 15. From her hometown of Illinois, Mary moved to Mexico, where she got married and spent time as a rancher before she moved back to Chicago. She had her first child there and became a renowned artist recognized by the Chicago School of Art. At 101, Mary remained witty, cracking jokes during her birthday party. When asked by her daughter what the secret to life is, Mary said, mm, I don't know, tequila. How do you feel, Ma? One of her six children asked. With my hand, she replied laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Oh However, for her latest birthday, the 101-year-old traded her favorite tequila for a glass of Guinness, her favorite beer. So congratulations wow. to her. Cheers to All her. All right, 101 awesome. and having fun. And we just Still had joking. fun doing this Beyond the News episode. <laughs>
That's so amazing. What an incredible episode. We covered so many things. Psychedelics going more legal. DMT legal. 2024 is going to be an incredible summer. Space. We talked about black holes. Space trash. Space trash. Just remember all UFOs. If you've ever seen one, just put it in your head. It's space trash. Yeah. And don't lick the frogs. Don't lick the frogs. <laughs> or you might see more than space trash. Yeah. And don't forget <laughs> to drink your tequila. I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't drink alcohol personally, so I can't recommend that. But if you're a drinker, if you like alcohol, drink tequila because it supposedly keeps you alive longer or you can be frozen. It's all up to you. Yeah. Brit. <laughs> What did you think of this episode? Uh, highly informative. Yes. Yes, very much so. Highly entertaining. Uh, also that. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was great. Well, thank you for being here. Everyone, check out her website. Of course, Vital, V-I-T-A-L, VitalForceHerbs.com. She has an incredible line, and she's always here being generous with us, giving her time, giving her energy, to all of us, the listeners, myself, everyone in the Midnight on Earth community, she's really uh, putting out her energy for us. So I just want to say thank you again, Brent. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay. So what an episode, everyone. Another Beyond the News Down. We'll be back with another Beyond the News and another seven episodes. But we have some incredible guests coming up. So as always, stay tuned Keep spreading the news. Tell everyone you know about this podcast. And we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth.